20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, Packer fans. Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. Always appreciate it. Quick PSA before we get things started. If you have yet to check out Pack a Day Podcast memberships over on YouTube, what the heck are you waiting for? If you've been thinking about supporting the channel in some capacity, maybe it's because we're about to do 2,000 consecutive days of the audio podcast without ever missing an episode. Maybe it's because we do the video episode 365 days a year. What Whatever it is, if you're thinking about contributing, now's the time to do so. Again, four different levels available to you to subscribe and to become a member and some different perks that are available with each of those members membership levels. So make sure to check that out when you get a chance. Otherwise, you know what? Just tell a friend, tell them you love the podcast and tell them they should check it out. That would be probably even better if you could do that. So always appreciate your support. You guys are the absolute best. Let's get right into the show. I want to start with the injury report from Monday. Had the opportunity to attend practice fairly decent injury report for Green Bay coming out of that one. First and foremost, it finally happened. Zane Anderson is back. He is practicing. What more could you possibly want? He is real. And we'll see what ultimately happens if he actually is able to play on game day and actually is active for once. We have yet to see the real start of the Zane Anderson era, but he was back in practicing. Meanwhile, Darnell Savage was practicing, and that's a great sign because he left the Raiders game and he tried to come back and then you know left again and didn't return. So it's great to see him practicing. Aaron Jones seemed to be practicing at least to the portion open to the media in full. I'm not sure if he did teamwork, but from an individual standpoint, he looked full go. And then Eric Stokes continued to practice in full as well. And then uh, on the flip side, Luke Tenuta still not practicing, still on IR. And then your two inside linebackers, Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell, also not practicing. I am not a trained medical professional, can't even pretend to be, can't fake it. But if I had to go out on a limb and say, if, if you told me right now one of them played on Sunday, and they, they could both play, neither could play, I have no idea. But if you told me one of them did, I'd be willing to put money that Quay Walker was that one. He just looks a little bit ahead, again, to the very untrained uh, medical eye uh, that he just looked a little bit ahead of Devondre Campbell at this point. So that would be my guess. But again, Zane Anderson, Darnell Savage, Aaron Jones, and Eric Stokes all practicing. Luke Tenuta, Quay Walker, and Devondre Campbell not practicing also sort of noteworthy here. We've kind of been going over it. Patrick Taylor, not at practice. So they still have not brought him back and it doesn't seem like they may do so, which is very kind of interesting after the time, effort, and energy that they've put into him. I know he's exhausted his three practice squad call-ups, but uh, it seems like he's been ahead of, you know, uh, Emmanuel Wilson at this point. And it seems like he's been even ahead of, you know, AJ Dillon in certain games. So definitely interesting that he is not on the roster right now. We'll see if that changes throughout the course of the week. Uh, Let's jump into our main event. What I thought it would be fun to do is just kind of take a look at the first five weeks and who has played well, who has not played well, look at it from the offensive side of things, the defensive side of things, and really sort of compare and contrast both my grades along with Pro Football Focus's grades. And were there any interesting dynamics between the two? Was there a player I had graded high and they had graded low? Were we in agreement on everything? I think that's always kind of fun to look at. And to be honest, I hadn't even really taken a look at it and compared them to where my grades were at up until I did this episode. So it was kind of fun for me just to see all right, what we agreed on, what we disagreed on. And, and there was a lot of similarities as there usually are. 
I'll always, always, always say this. There's no perfect grader. There's no perfect grading system. There just isn't. It's There's going to be imperfections with it. I've loved doing this for the past, I don't know, seven, eight years now, however long that I've done it. And more often than not, you can see the grades correlate with the players that get elected to the Pro Bowl, the All-Pro, the players that they trade or release in the following season. Like a lot of times those grades are correlating. And like I said, I'm really proud of the effort and energy that I put into it, but there are no perfect systems or graders. And you always have to sort of just kind of compare and contrast to one, the naked eye. What have we seen out on the field? Two, to other people who grade it. And I think Pro Football Focus, there's going to be some things that I disagree with what they do. I still think they put a lot of time, effort, and energy into it as well. And what I'll always say is when you have somebody who watches every player on every play, they're going to pick up some things. And I think that's just the, the truth of it. It's not perfect. It's just not. But I think it's always fun to look at them and see if it matches the eye test. And if it doesn't, all right, then let's go back and look at it closer and see what doesn't seem to fit. So let's start with this. In order to qualify for any of these lists, everyone had to play at least 50 snaps. 50 snaps was the cutoff. If they didn't play 50 snaps, they weren't included in any of the top five lists. Again, I'll go over my grades first, and then I'll go over pro football focuses, and we'll see if there were any differences. So my top five graded players on offense so far, and in fact, I'm going to leave you in suspense because I wanted to say one other thing really quick. What I will say, if you start looking at a PFF standpoint, like 88, 90 and above are when you start getting into Pro Bowl and all pro caliber players. Green Bay did not have anyone with a grade that high. Their highest grade on either side of the ball was an 84.4. We'll get to who that was in just a moment. For me, you usually want to get to like a plus 10 or better on the season when you start getting into that Pro Bowl uh, range or above. And right now, nobody on my list is like... like working on a plus 10 season, or if you averaged it out, they're not on pace for a plus 10 season. I think the biggest takeaway with that is that there's not anyone at this point that has played at the level high enough, either per pro football focus or I to be on like the upper echelon of players in this league. I think we'll get to one player who's knocking on that door. You know who it is, but we'll talk about that player and why maybe they're not up there a little bit higher quite yet. All right. Now we'll get to the, the the main meat and potatoes of this. My top five offensive players through five weeks. Number one on my list, Zach Tom, plus 2.05, followed by number two, Romeo Dobbs, plus 1.65. Three, Dontavian Wicks, plus 1.40. Four, oh, this is always the frustrating one, David Bakhtiari, plus 1.10, played one game, plus 1.10. He'd be at, if, if he averaged that out, which for him, he easily could because he's just that dang good. Like he'd be at plus 5.5 on average if he played five weeks so far, just uh, head and shoulders above everyone else. It's just so frustrating to see how good he still was when he was out there and that Green Bay just isn't going to have him for the remainder of the season. Then number five, yes, Jordan Love plus 0.95. My top five again, Zach Tom, Romeo Dobbs, Dontavian Wicks, David Bakhtiari, and Jordan Love. Let me go through my list really quick here. Zach Tom for me has clearly been, you know, player 1A for Green Bay on the offensive side of the ball. Last couple weeks have been tougher, but last couple weeks have graded out for me right around average, which when you're going up against Max Crosby, Aiden Hutchinson is good enough. 
especially when the three weeks prior to that, he played really, really good football and really boosted his grade in those three weeks. And I think he's going to get better. He should have an awesome week this week against Denver's defensive line. And I think not having to go against two of the best of the best these past two weeks, I think that grade's going to even go up from here. And I think he's getting healthier. He Again, he did have that slight injury from a few weeks ago that I think did affect him these past couple weeks. That's why I'm so hesitant to want to move him from right tackle. And I get you know, maybe wanting to put Yash at right tackle and maybe get Zach moved inside for some of the other players who we're going to discuss in just a moment who aren't playing as well. I get it. And maybe he's just as great at those spots, but man, he's playing so well at right tackle. He's like the one thing that's really going right on offense. I don't really want to, you know, try to fix something that's not broken at this point. And I know the offensive line is broken and that's a hole it needs fixing, but that's like the one thing that's going well but he's been awesome so far. He's been good in the running game, at least as good as it's probably been for the five players on the offensive line. Not great, but good enough. And then he's been really, really good in pass protection. So he's number one on my list. Number two, Romeo Dobbs, 21 catches, 288 yards and three touchdowns. He's come up with some explosive plays. He's come up with some big touchdowns. He had the, you know, the big you know, touchdown at the end of the, the Saints game to you know really get Green Bay ahead in that one. Just a lot of really good stuff from Romeo. And I think on top of it, hasn't really dropped anything. He's a solid, if unspectacular blocker, doesn't get very many, you know, negative grades from a blocking standpoint. You put all that together and you end up with a pretty solid and positive grade. Not a great game overall. I think this past week against the Raiders wasn't still anything that he did wrong per se, just they didn't get him the ball enough. He did have that one drop. That was really his only drop on the season so far. It's been a nice year for for Romeo. The first few weeks were a little bit better. The past two, maybe not quite as good, but that's like literally the team as a whole at this point. Romeo still comes in at number two for me. Dontavian Wicks, number three, might be surprising. Like all that dude does is get open and his separation rate against man coverage is per PFF, the best in the NFL. It was either PFF or next gen stats. I forget which one it was, but the best in the NFL at this point. He blocks really well. He's an aggressive blocker. I've said for the past couple of weeks now, I need more Dontavian Wicks. Every time he's out on the field, he's doing good things. We've talked at ad nauseum about how he played the most snaps in week one. They gave him the flea flicker in week two. He continued like he had a couple or at least a big third down target and catch this past week against the Raiders. He continues to show up and impress. Like I say, I think he needs more playing time. He's been really, really good when he's been out on the field. Not only does he need to be out there more, they need to look at him more and target him more because like I said, he is finding ways to get open. Number four, David Bakhtiari. Again, he was dominant in week one and then unfortunately got shut down after that. Number five, Jordan Love. You have to remember a little bit like comparing position to position with my grades isn't always a perfect idea because there's going to be more opportunity for some quarterbacks, just one of those. Now there's opportunity for huge pluses and huge minuses because like a big time touchdown throw is going to get you some points. A big time interception is going to lose you a lot of points, but there's a little bit more volatility in some high peaks and low valleys with a quarterback score. Overall, eight passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, six interceptions, 55.6 completion percentage, 1,083 yards, another 109 yards on the ground. I think just some of the really good stuff, even a lot of the stuff that went incomplete, like the the touchdown throw in the back of the end zone that AJ Terrell batted away. Like that's a beautiful ball. And like maybe a handful of corners are even in that play, much less making that play, just so happens, unfortunately, that A.J. Terrell is one of them. I think there's quite a few, like the, the big pass interference play to Dontavian Wicks. 
That's not on his box score. That was a perfect throw that if the corner, again, AJ Terrell doesn't take him out, it's going to be a huge gain and maybe even a touchdown down the field. I think there's a lot of stuff that does not show up on Jordan Love's box score. Now, the interceptions, huge negatives. And what I will say is a plus 0.95 through five weeks for a quarterback is not a great grade. It's fine, but it's still more positive than it is negative for me at this point. And PFF and I are basically in lockstep on that. Now they have other players ahead of where Jordan is and he's not in their top five. But if you will like merge our grading scales, we have him at almost the exact same spot from a grade standpoint. So I think he's been positive, but just not positive enough. And it's just like I said, an ever so slight positive. And just, I don't have a ton of other players really graded in the positive. Usually a plus 0.95 is not going to be in the top five. It's just that this offense has been so bad that it is. So Zach Tom, Romeo Dobbs, Dontavian Wicks, David Bakhtiari, and Jordan Love, my top five. PFF's top five, David Bakhtiari with a 78.8. Now you have to remember, one of the key differences between our grading scales is PFF's is more like it doesn't matter how many plays you've played. It's more of like a per play almost sort of thing where mine is your total effect on the season. So Bakhtiari, if he goes out and plays 50 snaps and they're all awesome, he could grade as a hundred and like for a 99, whatever you want to grade him as. For me, you can only get so high if you've only played so many snaps, because if you didn't play enough, you're just, there's, there's only so many points that you can get in that very small period of time. So difference in grading scale there, but David Bakhtiari, their number one player for Green Bay with a 78.8. Zach Tom, their number two, 75.6. So Zach Tom was my one. He's their two. David Bakhtiari was my four. He's their one. Romeo Dobbs is their three with a 72.2. He was my two. And then they had Jaden Reed four. So I had Dontavian Wicks at three. They had Jaden Reed at four. I have a positive grade on Jaden Reed. He was just kind of on, just on the outside looking into that list. So we were pretty much in lockstep on Jaden Reed as well. Then they have number five, AJ Dillon, 65.5. That one I struggle with. I'm not sure how AJ Dillon comes in your top five of Green Bay Packers so far this year. So that one is a bit more of a struggle and I can't really defend that. Now, I don't have a huge negative grade on AJ Dillon because a lot of it has been the blocking, but I do have a negative grade on AJ Dillon. And I, again, it's a struggle for me to say he's had a positive impact on this team so far. So again, that's where uh, we differ a little bit, but overall, not too far off. They have a slight positive on Dontavian Wick. So I like him a little bit more than they do at this point, but overall, and again, like I said, we have very similar grades on Jordan Love. Overall, not far off. Zach Tom, Romeo Dobbs, and David Bakhtiari on all of our lists. Their list has Jaden Reed, who again, he was just outside of mine. Dontavian Wicks and Jordan Love for me have slight positive grades for them. The only diff- real difference here is they had Dylan at five. And again, I have a negative grade at him. So that's the big difference there. So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as soon as I found out, I had to get opening day tickets immediately. And I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code pack a day for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle-free and just super, super simple. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals.
deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Packaday for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Packaday for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means. It's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, my bottom five offensive players. John Runyon Jr., negative 3.0, only seven pressures given up per PFF, but his run blocking has been atrocious. Royce Newman, negative 2.85, I don't even need to go into detail, you get it. Number three, Josh Myers, negative 2.35, six pressures allowed, also atrocious in the run game. Number four, Rasheed Walker, negative 1.85, not a great trend here for the offensive line, 10 pressures allowed. You'll, you've guessed it, also awful in the running game. And then number five, Malik Heath, negative 0.75, really struggled when he was in, in the limited snaps that he saw in the first couple of weeks. There's a reason he's been inactive basically every week since then. When he did get in, he really struggled in the regular season. Great in preseason, he's got a ways to go as a regular season wide receiver. All right, for PFF, their bottom five, Tucker Craft, 41.9 is their lowest graded player. Number two, Royce Newman, number two on my list as well. Number three, Malik Heath, number five on my list. Number four, John Runyon Jr., number one on my list. And then number five, they had Josiah DeGuara, who I believe I have a slight negative on. They had him a little bit lower, but not by like a ton. They had Josh Myers rated a little bit higher, Rashid Walker rated a little bit higher. But again, three players that we had on both of our lists, John Runyon Jr., Royce Newman, and Malik Heath. So if you want to like look for a consensus, the top three players you could argue between if you were like taking all of our grades and you know mixing them together and averaging them out, David Bakhtiari, Zach Tom, and Romeo Dobbs, the, the three that are uh, on the top three of both of our lists and the three players that are on the bottom five of both of their lists or both lists, I should say, John Runyon Jr., Royce Newman, and Malik Heath. So do with that what you will. Again, my list had Josh Myers and Rashid Walker in the negatives more. Theirs had Tucker Craft and Josiah DeGuara in the negative more. All right, my top five defensive players so far. 
Kenny Clark with a plus 1.80 grade, Razul Douglas with a plus 1.7 grade, uh, Rashawn Gary plus 1.6, Quay Walker plus 1.2, and Rudy Ford plus 0.95. So Clark, Douglas, Gary, Quay, and Rudy Ford. Their top five, Rashawn Gary, 84.4 grade, third on my list, first on theirs. Razul Douglas, 83.7 grade, second on my list, second on theirs. They had Devondre Campbell, 73.9 as their third highest rated defender. He was a negative grade for me so far. So that's one that we have not seen eye to eye on. Um, so put, do with that what you will. I, I didn't think he had a great start to the season, but again, PFF saw it a little bit differently. Rudy Ford, 73.7. That is five on my list, four on theirs. And then they had Eric Wilson at five with a 70.7 grade. I do have a slight positive on Eric Wilson, so we weren't far off there. And Quay Walker, who I had at four, who was not on their list, was their number six rated player on defense. Very, very close. The, the big difference here, I had Kenny Clark as my highest graded defender for Green Bay so far. He is average on their list. He's like a 60s, low 60 something, not in that top five or really even close to it. That's one probably that we've seen, you know, very not closely uh, eye to eye on and very differently. I, to me, there has been a little bit of Kenny Clark showing up at like the very beginning of the game, and then you don't see much of him for the rest of the game, but I still think he's playing good football. I still think he's eating some double team blocks. He's doing kind of some of the work that goes a little bit unnoticed. He's coming up with usually at least one big play in every single game. I still like what I'm seeing from Kenny Clark. The the big one here, if you want to know who I was talking about earlier, for the player who you know is at an 84.4 per, per PFF and is my third highest graded player on defense. That's Rashawn Gary. And a lot of that's just due to the snap count. If he had played more and had done the same things, he would be much higher on my list and probably starting to trend in that Pro Bowl range. And for PFF, I think if he played more and a little bit more consistently on run defense, he would be a little bit higher and probably in that 90-ish Pro Bowl sort of range for them too. He's close. He's getting back to health. You can see he's continuing to wreck games. You love to see what he's doing coming off the ACL. That's the one that, again, when I say Rashawn Gary's, I, I think right now the best player on Green Bay, the only reason he's not graded higher is because for me, he just hasn't had enough snaps. And I think PFF's kind of in that same regard. I know they're more per play, but he just hasn't played much in the run game. And when he has, it hasn't been quite as good, which is going to bring the grade down for PFF a little bit. But again, my top five defensive players, Kenny Clark, Razul Douglas, Rashawn Gary, Quay Walker, and Rudy Ford. They're five, Rashawn Gary, Razul Douglas, Devondre Campbell, Rudy Ford, and Eric Wilson. All right, my bottom five defensive players, number one on my list, Jair Alexander, negative 1.55. I went over this a few times already. I'll go over it really quick. He had the rough game against Atlanta. In coverage, you know, he kind of got beat on a couple different occasions. Drake London, there was a touchdown, there was a play down the field. He had some mix-ups in coverage, just not like not great coverage in that game. He misses some time and he's been really bad in run defense and hasn't had any big plays to really make up for it. And in a lot of the other plays where he's in coverage, teams haven't targeted him which makes it hard to get big positive grades if you're not batting things away or, or intercepting or anything like that. And a lot of times it's just zone coverage. So just a lot of times he's just dropping back and chilling in a zone, which if you're not getting thrown at, it's hard to get a really big positive grade for just dropping back in a zone and chilling there. And when you have a bad game in coverage against Atlanta, you miss some time and you're bad against the run. It's going to be tough to sort of negate that out and make it more of an even grade. So number one on my list, Jair Alexander, 
Number two, Kingsley and Igbari, negative 1.5, really struggled to set the edge so far and has not been good against the run and hasn't done enough against the pass, or at least as a pass rusher to sort of make up for it. Number three on my list is Preston Smith, sort of the same thing. He's been better against the run, but I thought this last game was his best game, but there's still been a lack of consistency for Preston, at least from my standpoint. Number four, Keyshawn Nixon. And number five, Justin Hollins. Justin Hollins struggled to set the edge, not doing anything as a pass rusher. Keyshawn Nixon struggling in coverage, doing some other things really nicely. And like I said the other day, I think he can still be a base nickel corner, but I do wonder if you want to start getting him off of the field on maybe some more obvious passing downs. So my five lowest graded players, Jair Alexander, Kingsley Nigbari, Preston Smith, Keyshawn Nixon, and Justin Hollins. For them, Isaiah McDuffie, Kingsley Nigbari, Carrington Valentine, Colby Wooden, and Carl Carl Brooks. So they went in a little bit different direction here. McDuffie, I, I can understand. I have a negative grade on him. We're not too far off in our grades. Enigbari was number two on both of our lists. I like Valentine a little bit better. I have a very slight negative on him, uh, but they I certainly didn't have him in my bottom three uh, of uh, Packer defenders. And then the two rookie defensive linemen, I have negative grades on them as well. And they don't have huge like negatives. They, Wooden's a 57.3. Brooks is a 57.8. Remember, 60 is kind of average for PFF. So it's not like they have massively awful grades. But um, And again, I was in a very similar spot. For them, they had uh, Alexander graded better, which again, I understand. Alexander's a phenomenal player. I'm not trying to undercut him here or anything like that. Just it, it, from a grading standpoint, it's been tough to give him some real positives over the course of the first five weeks. And then uh, Preston Smith, they liked a little bit better. Nixon and Hollins, they didn't have great. Actually, uh, I take that back. Nixon, they didn't have a great grade on. They did have a, a positive on uh, Hollins, which was a little bit surprising. And I just, I haven't seen much from Hollins overall to put him anywhere in that realm. So that's the overall grades. Again, just to kind of recap them one more time. My top five on offense were Zach Tom, Romeo Dobbs, Dontavian Wicks, David Bakhtiari, and Jordan Love. Their top five, Bakhtiari, Tom, Dobbs, Reed, and Dylan. My top five on offense, John Runyon Jr., Royce Newman, Josh Myers, Rashid Walker, and Malik Keith. Their bottom five on offense, Tucker Craft, Royce Newman, Malik Keith, John Runyon Jr., and Josiah DeGuara. My top five on defense, Kenny Clark, Razul Douglas, Rashawn Gary, Quay Walker, and Rudy Ford. Their top five, Rashawn Gary, Razul Douglas, Devondre Campbell, Rudy Ford, and Eric Wilson. My bottom five, Jair Alexander, Kingsley Nigbari, Preston Smith, Keyshawn Nixon, and Justin Hollins. Their bottom five, Isaiah McDuffie, Kingsley Nigbari, Carrington Valentine, Colby Wooden, and Carl Brooks. Players we agreed on in the top five on offense, Bakhtiari, Tom, and Dobbs. Players we agreed on on the bottom five on offense were Royce Newman, Malik Keith, and John Runyon Jr. Players we agreed on on the top five on defense, Razul Douglas, Rashawn Gary, and Rudy Ford. And players we agreed on on the bottom five on defense was just Kingsley and Igbari. All right. If you wanted to look at like position by position, I'm not, I didn't look at PFFs from this standpoint, but my grades, my top group graded so far was wide receiver, followed by defensive line, then quarterback, then safety, tight end, linebacker, running back, followed by corner, edge, and offensive line being my lowest graded group so far. So again, highest was wide receiver followed by defensive line, quarterback, safety, tight end, linebacker, running back, corner, edge, and my lowest was offensive line. All right. Shout out once more to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shea Bradad, Arnaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Lori Lord, and Donald Lee. 
Appreciate you guys as always. That is going to do it for me today. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. You won't want to miss it. Should have a members only video coming out soon as well. Going to be the members only Q&A on Thursday night. Tons of great stuff coming up. Subscribe, like, comment, do all your stuff. Appreciate you. See you soon. Until next time. And as always, go Pack Out.